Title chasers. We regulate any bandwagons off the street, and we're damn good too. But you can't be any bum off the street. Gotta be handy with the takes if you know what I mean. Title chasers! Mount up! on guys so we have some interesting topics to talk about today first things first magic johnson was on first take the other day and it was a pretty interesting interview we got a little more of magic's side of the story uh in terms of him stepping down from the lakers organization moving on from that i know it caused a huge stir of controversy when he did it he did it very abruptly in an interview it was just a huge shock to the sports community. If you remember a couple of episodes ago, Zach had a pretty interesting rant on one of our episodes. <laughs> I think I said this uh, in that episode, and what I said basically was that I wanted to hear Magic's side of the story, which I knew would come out eventually, but then we only had one side of it, you know, Magic just sort of coming off as an asshole and stepping down from a huge position just right off the bat, you know? And that can make a lot of people angry, but at the same time, there's always two sides to one coin, you know? And we saw a little more about uh, Magic Johnson's reason for stepping down. Uh, One of his reasons was his relationship with Rob Palenka, who he accused of backstabbing. Okay, now he said in first take, you can see this interview, it's available on ESPN. They were, Magic Johnson was upset with the way that Rob Palenka was talking about Magic Johnson behind his back to other people. I guess word was getting out not only to people within the Lakers organization, but friends of Magic Johnson outside of basketball. You know, that Rob Palenka was saying that Magic Johnson didn't do enough with the organization. He wasn't in the office enough. Essentially, that he wasn't putting enough effort into his job. Okay? He called out Rob Palenka quite a bit on first take, and it was interesting. And yeah. I just want to hear your thoughts about it. Well, I think that with the show, I kind of like the fact that he was able to explain his side of the story. It kind of makes me understand his side a little more. I still don't think he did the right thing in the sense that I don't think he should have just absolutely just dropped the mic like that without telling LeBron and without telling Jeannie. I feel like that was very disrespectful and not the way to do business in uh, a professional sports organization, especially one like the Lakers, which is historically iconic. But I think that, you know, it sounded like a lot of his reasonings for leaving was the fact that the Lakers are just a mess They have officially become the most dysfunctional sports team in professional sports. I mean, it sounds like, you know, Genie's giving Magic all the power, but then all these other people are telling him that he can't do something. So, like, who's who's the main power source here? It sounds like Genie's the owner, but she's listening to a bunch of people. Mm. But then she's giving power to Magic, but then Rob Palenka has power, and then an unnamed uh, NBA player, uh, executive for the Lakers was giving uh, was whispering into Genie's ear. It's like you need to have a very slim power source. You know, for example, I know that uh, Colin Cowherd had this on his show recently, where he had the power structure of the Warriors, the Clippers, and all the well-run organizations. You know, you have Bob Myers, the GM of the Warriors, and then it's you know at the beginning of that it's the owner of the Warriors, and then it's the GM, and then Steve Kerr on that tier, and then the players. So there's like two or three people who call all the shots. And then he went to the Lakers, and he showed that like Genie's listening to Magic, but Magic is, you know, connected to LeBron, and then LeBron has Rich Paul, and we're, you know, you know, Rob Palenka, who's connected to Kobe, who, who, well, he's still listening to Phil Jackson, and it's like, it's an absolute disaster the way it's run right now. And yeah. I honestly think that a lot of the dysfunction comes back to Jeannie. Jeannie Buss, it seems like she doesn't really know what she's doing as the owner. It sounds like she really cares about the team, but it looks like she's getting in the way of their success. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It looks like it's a really dysfunctionally operated organization. You know, you see uh, Magic Johnson, he covered a lot on first take. Uh, One of the things he was talking about he wanted to fire Luke Walton from the Lakers organization, you know. Uh, as you know, him and LeBron have had a little bit of a spotty relationship. And uh, Magic Johnson said he respected Walton, but he thought it would be best if he parted ways with the Lakers, you know. So he asked Jeannie Buss permission to do make that executive decision. Jeannie Buss said yes. And then a day later, she's like, uh, I don't know, you know. And she's, well, what's going on essentially is it sounds like she's taking advice from other people that aren't actually like at the power to make that decision. Yeah. And it sounds like she's just, I don't know, perhaps kind of a pushover. And she's just like, oh, I don't know, you know. And she's not really letting Magic do his job. And it sounds like he just wasn't able to work. With this new interview, I do respect Magic a lot more. I respect his decision a lot more. Could he have gone about it a little better? Yes, but then again, it's hard to leave uh, appropriately and by the books when you work for a dysfunctional organization like Los Angeles. I can agree with that. I think that it sounded like he just needed to get out of there because, I mean, he had Rob Palenka who was supposedly backstabbing him. He says that Jeannie's his sister, but it sounds like she doesn't really know what to do. She seems like she's conflicted between personal relationships and business, which if you're going to do business, you can't put emotions into it. You have to do what's best for the company. And what's best for the company is to have three or four people who call the shots, and that's it. You can't have Phil Jackson in your ear. You can't have Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant doesn't play for you anymore. He's not a part of your organization. You can't have him in your ear. Rob Polink is the GM. Magic Johnson was the president of basketball operations. If he decides that he wants to fire Luke Walton, that's it. He's the president of operations. You have him with the power. If he has all the power, then you should grant him all the power. And when he got the job, she said that too. Like, yeah, you have all the power. So you can't with have your job. other you can't have other people in your ear chirping, especially to Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, I think honestly reflecting back i think if he had the power he might have done a better job i don't think he did a terrible job in his short tenure he drafted lonzo ball who looked promising and i still don't know where he goes i think he's a bust Mm. but with the right coach he could potentially blossom he still has lots of talent and then they did draft kyle kuzma they didn't get much for d'angelo russell i don't think they got kyle kuzma who's a downgrade you know but I don't think he did a terrible job. He did land LeBron James, which is, I think is a massive accomplishment. And yeah. it, it seems like he joined because of Magic's vision. And I wish I could see how they would have been in free agency because they looked like, you know, before he left, they looked legit. Yeah. They could land a star, and they still might. So it looks like, you know, it looks like they still have a chance. Back to Jeannie, though. It seems like you're right when you say that she's a pushover because, like I said before, you need structure in an organization. If you don't have structure nothing's going to happen. I think the saying goes, uh, a fish rots from the head down. If there's something wrong at the executive level, there's no way that the team is going to function to its full capacity. Yeah. Now, um, Rob Polenka did actually respond to Magic's comments. And Magic Johnson's, I guess you could say, uh, accusation uh, that Rob Polinka uh, was talking about him behind his back. Polinka said, and I quote, Magic is an unbelievable person to work with. He fills the room with joy and vision. Truly, it's saddening and disheartening to think he believes there's a mis- misperception. I've talked to him several times since he decided to walk away. We've had many joy-filled conversations. In fact, two days ago, we were talking... Uh, reliving the combined, the fourth pick, and the great future this franchise has. So these things are surprising to hear and disheartening, but I look forward to the opportunity to talk with him and sit down with him and work with him just like any relationship, end quote. So, yeah, it sounds like Palenka uh, is, you know, sort of playing the, I have no clue what he's talking about. He's obviously misinterpreting something. I don't know who to believe in that situation. Uh, I know Magic's a good guy. But the at the same like, time, why would, why would he lie at this point? He has nothing to lose. He's already he's had an ego hit already. So, like, what does he have to lose? He seems like he's very genuine with what he said, saying, like, I wasn't having fun. And the way he left, I don't agree with the way he left, but he decided to do what was best for him. 
And honestly, whether you agree with his decision or not, you have to respect that he took initiative on himself to do what he felt was best for himself. Not everybody does that in life. So applaud to Magic for controlling his destiny, whether he did it the right way or not. So the Magic Johnson rant you made a couple of weeks ago, you went off. You tore him to shreds. You said a lot of things about him. You said, you know, uh, that was a horrible decision that, you know, he basically backstabbed the Lakers. Uh, Do you retract that? rant or i retract it to the extent that i don't think he's a major coward anymore like i was saying like that he was just a huge coward and that we should you know really reconsider him as this great guy i still think that he did the wrong i still think that he made the lakers look a lot worse Mm. but i think that ultimately they are that bad so they ultimately that was going to go out anyways yeah and what he did was he kind of just kind of controlled his brand which is selfish, but in that industry, that's kind of what you have to do. Yeah. You have to control your brand and your reputation. So I think he feared that if he stayed with them, that he would have failed and people would have, you know, look at, you know, Michael Jordan, for example. The way he looks as a GM, it kind of dampens his brand as, well, he's a really great basketball player. He's a great mogul, but he's a terrible GM. I think he feared that he would be casted as a bad GM or a bad president of basketball operations. And I don't think he wanted that for his brand. And then also talking about how he couldn't tamper and be a part of the NBA community. I remember him beforehand talking about like, oh, we're going to get LeBron. We're gonna, they should get this guy. They should get this guy. So I think that ultimately I think it's better for Magic and better for the NBA that he's not a part of their organization. Yeah, definitely. So I think for... Him moving forward, I think it'd be better for him to not be a part of that organization. And the Lakers, they really need to clean up their act because right now they look really bad. And if you look at the Clippers and what direction they're going in, the Lakers are about to, if they don't clean up their act, they're going to go into irrelevancy. Yeah, definitely. It's a really shaky situation with the Lakers. And it's a shame being historically what they mean for sports and for basketball, the fact that they've ended up being something like this you know imagine the yankees turning into something like this yeah that's you what know I'm gonna say. like <laughs> think about the yankees in the 80s they were terrible yeah and then i also think about how the knicks have been can you imagine if the knicks were good again how how great that would be for basketball right now the lakers look really really bad and if you look at all the major brands the cowboys are good the red Sox are good the yankees are good the celtics are good Major brand, the Cubs are good. Major brands are doing really great right now for sports. The Bruins are good again, you mm-hmm. know. So the fact that the the Lakers, who are probably, I would put them in the top five for biggest sports brand in the world, the fact that they look as bad as they do is a really bad time for them. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame, you know, because like you say, they are a really huge market. They're one of those few American sports teams where if you go to Europe or you go to Asia or you travel really anywhere internationally, you see people wearing Lakers jerseys, you know? You see people wearing Lakers hats, you know? It's a huge brand. You see Lakers jerseys in New England. Yeah. (laughs) They have their biggest rival. Yeah. So... I would love to see them gain relevancy again. But honestly, if I'm being honest with them, I don't want them to land a free agency this year because then they kind of cheated the system. Just because they're a big brand, people go to them. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair for the NBA. Think of all the other teams that are grinding just to be relevant. And then you have the Lakers, who are an absolute disaster Hmm. management-wise. And then they just end up picking up a player because they're the Lakers and they got LeBron somehow. That's yeah. just, I don't think that's fair. And another interesting thing, it'll be interesting to see what happens with free agency with the Lakers, because I don't know. Whoever signs with L.A. Uh, will have to make the decision that they're willing to play under LeBron. And yeah. of the superstars that are available for free agency, I don't think any of them want to do that. I think they want to be the head of whatever team they go to. Like, take Kawhi, for example. If he's going to L.A., it looks like he's going to go to the Clippers because Honestly, he'll be able to run that team. You know, I'm any major superstar, whether I'm KD, Kawhi, Kyrie, why would I go to the Lakers? And Kyrie, too. People are talking about Kyrie going to the Lakers. That's laughable. Do you really think Kyrie just wants to live in LeBron's shadow again? And, like... 
If I'm KD, why am I going to build LeBron's legacy while I'm trying to build mine? Same goes with Kawhi. Yeah. Kawhi is going to go to the Clippers. I'm calling it now. Yeah. I don't think he resigns with Toronto. Look at that roster outside of him. They're the new Cavs. Yeah. They have one major star and a bunch of bums. Kyle Lowry is a decent regular season player. He's average in the postseason. He had a good game last game around, but I don't think the Raptors <laughs> are that great without him. I think they're a lottery team without him. Yeah. And then, you know... um, Outside of that, you know, KD, I think, you know, there's a chance he resigns with the Warriors and this whole free agency hoopla could mean nothing. Mm. I see him either going to the Clippers, the Knicks, or staying in Golden State. Kyrie, if Kyrie's smart, he goes to the Knicks, he goes to the Clippers, or he stays with Boston. Yeah. I don't think he will stay with Boston anymore. I think there's a good chance. I don't think so, but it's still a possibility. There's a possibility. I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, young players who are up for contract, and if we make a major trade and those young players are gone, I I see a a guy who has a good coach, a good owner, and a good team around him. That's a hard place to leave. If they leave someone like, looks like Terry Rozier had a lot of, uh, dysfunction. He felt like he was the man. He thought he was the best point guard in the league, which I don't know how you think that if you're Terry Rozier. <laughs> making, getting 16 minutes a night. I don't know how you think you're the the best player. Yeah, I don't shoot. know how you can say that. but I know that NBA players have inflated egos. So, you know. Oh, um, yeah. That's one thing with the NBA. Out of all other sports leagues, they have the biggest egos. Well, that's because, And it's kind of annoying at times. Well, if but you I look mean, at the structure of how the stars are treated, I can understand that. They're stroking all the, the major stars' egos because they want them to stay with their team because if they know if they leave, then their team is back to irrelevancy. Yeah. I'm calling it now. Terry Rozier is not going to resign with the Celtics. Yeah. After his first take comments, there's no way he's going to stay with the Celtics, especially if Kyrie uh, stays. Of course, he may just be saying that so that way he'll get a bigger contract out of Boston. Yeah, but we don't. We don't. We we shouldn't give him that money. Yeah, I don't think he's worth it. Oh yeah, I, I, I agree. Like but I, I mean, look at where he would be if he goes to the Knicks or Bulls. I want to see how he performs there. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see him in Chicago. I want to see him be a starting point guard, but I don't think he should be a starting point guard for us. I would mm. rather have Kyrie than have Terry Rozier. I'm not going to pay Terry Rozier twenty million. Yeah. So that he can be the bench player. I'd say let him walk. I've said this on the show before. I'll say it again. If we keep Kyrie, he has to uh, not be a leader. He has to to be a second man. We need to trade for another star. Yeah. As in Anthony Davis. Yeah. I've made the trade before. I think a good trade would be keep Tatum out at all costs. Any pick that they want, I don't see why we need any draft picks at this point. We're contending for a title, and we really only need one big piece. We thought that we had the roster this season, and we still do. We still have a great roster, but we need another big star. Yeah. You know, I think if I was the Celtics, I would give up Gordon Hayward, maybe a Jalen Brown, throw in like a Daniel Tice or so some nobody that just adds some juice to the contract, and then give them like four picks. You know, yeah. get Anthony Davis, maybe, you know, throw in another player who's, you know, a salary salary cap hindrance, and then throw in Gordon Hayward, throw in Jalen Brown, and Aaron Baines or a Daniel Tice or a, uh, I think trading Aaron Baines is a really good idea because I don't think he's that great of a player, but, but at the over- same time he's I- overrated. A lot of people talk big about him, so he has over- a lot of he has more trade leverage than say Tice would, you know. Yeah. But yeah, and throwing we have so many picks. If we can get Anthony Davis and he resigns, then let's do it. Get rid of Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward was awful in the playoffs, and he's overpaid. Yeah, give him to the Pelicans. There's a chance that he could still rebuild. Somebody who you know, there's a chance they might get. I mean, actually, they will get Zion. There's no ifs ands or buts about it. You know, mm. you get someone like Gordon Hayward who could recover and be a nice second or third player on that team. I think that's a really good move for the Pelicans, even if he seems like he's coming off injury. Yeah. Now, there's a chance, however, that now that Zion's with the Pelicans, they might keep AD, keep that duo there. That would be interesting, but I, I, don't, see how that's, I don't see how that can actually work. If they're trying to rebuild around Zion, I don't think Anthony Davis is a good move on that. I think they should trade him. If yeah. they really want to keep Zion for the long term— I would say trade Anthony Davis to the Knicks and pick up R.J. Barrett, his roommate in college. Yeah. If you really want to make Zion happy and him proud to play for the Pelicans, have him with his buddy. 
and have them as a as a new duo, have a Penny and Shaq kind of thing. Yeah, because that would be incredible for the the league. That would be iconic. Yeah, and then you have Anthony Davis on the Knicks, and that would make the Knicks interesting with or without any other stars joining them. Yep, and then you have the biggest duo since since who? I mean, Shaq and Co- <laughs> you can you know. You can have Wade and LeBron, Shaq and Kobe, like that's even a, bigger than both of those potentially. I think I compare that to Penny and Shaq. They're yeah. both young. They're both on rookie deals, and they both look like they can really break into the league and be incredible. And that'd be amazing. The Pelicans would actually leave a mark on NBA history. I just wish they were. <laughs> I just wish they could. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's because their like their name and their logo and just everything about them just looks sick. <laughs> and not sick as in like, oh, sick, bro. This looks sick. No, sick as in like it makes me sick looking at their logo and their name and just yeah. everything about them. And it's not the fact that they're in New Orleans because I love the Saints. I love their, you know, the Saints are cool. But the, the Pelicans, that just sounds gross. Like imagine if you're playing for them and you're like, oh, I play for the Pelicans. Ugh. Yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> Just a little name word, you know, like just, ugh. Yeah, yeah, it's yikes. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Anthony Davis would be awesome for us. Uh, At the same time, uh, it would be a good idea for the Pelicans to trade AD, considering that he'll just most likely leave next year anyway. So what good is it having him on the team next season? Because Zion still needs to get used to the league to pop, you know. I think he's going to be a really good talent, but at the same time, I don't think that they're instant title contenders just because they have Zion now. Oh, no, I think they're a playoff team, though. Oh, yeah. They could could contend for the 8th, 7th seed, something like that. Yeah. But so if I were in sh- if I were in the Pelicans front office, that would be a decision I'd make. I'd look to trade AD for some young talent. And think about the chemistry issues that arise with Anthony Davis on the team. He made it public that he didn't want to play for them anymore. Yeah. His last game, he had a "That's All Folks" shirt on. Yeah. Saying like, "I want out of here." Now, granted, he didn't know that they were gonna get Zion then. Yeah, but does he really want to play with a nineteen-year-old kid? Or do you yeah. want to play with bona fide stars in the NBA? Even though Zion looks like I can't miss, if I'm Anthony Davis and I've wasted the last seven years of my career in New Orleans, I say, trade me. I don't want to play here anymore. Yeah. I've done my time. I did all I could for you guys, and you guys, you know, I don't want to be, I don't, I'm not going to resign with you guys. I want to go elsewhere. I need a fresh start. Yeah. Moving on, I want to talk about uh, the current state of the NBA playoffs. The Warriors just clinched their fifth consecutive NBA pl- uh, Finals appearance. And right now we have the Bucks and Raptors in a 2-2 series tie. Um, honestly, God, I didn't think they were going to win game four, the Raptors, that is. I think that while I think they're pretty evenly matched, I think that the Bucks are the much better team. Hmm. I think that, you know, game three... The Raptors shouldn't have won. They blew way too many chances, and the fact that they won, I think it's because Giannis got fouled. Uh, I think Giannis fouled out, and that opened the door for the Raptors because yeah, I don't think they deserve that win. I think they should be down three one right now. But it's a two two series right now. Um, game three went into double overtime, and a bunch of players fouled out. Um, I'm looking here. Giannis fouled out. And then for the Raptors, you had Kyle Lowry foul out. Marcus Saul got into foul trouble. Uh, I don't think. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I think the Warriors are gonna are gonna probably sweep, if not give them a gentleman sweep, in the NBA Finals, especially if they get KD and um, Demarcus Cousins back. Yeah. If you have those five guys against uh, Giannis and Chris Middleton. Lopez. <laughs> no diss on Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe's a, a good point guard. I like Chris Middleton. He's a, an okay player, but... Chris Middleton's a really good player. I think he's really underrated, actually. He's he's a good player, but I, I think that as a second player, if he's your second best player, I don't think you're going to win an NBA title. Yeah. Even if you have someone like Giannis, who's a freak. Yeah. But... You know, I mean, Chris Pendleton had a great game in game game four. Yeah, yeah, he shot 30 points, 11 for 15 field goal, you know. Yeah, he was great. Eric Bledsoe hasn't played that well uh, in this series so far. And I think that, 
he needs to distribute the ball a little more. But honestly, and then on the Raptors' side, like, it seems like it's only Kawhi. It seems like Kawhi is just kind of carrying that team yeah. right now. Now, granted, they got some good games from Kyle Lowry and Marcus All last game. But all in all, if you look at some of their losses that they had, they had some really, really poor performances. I'm pulling up game two right now, and I mean, Kawhi Leonard was great. He had 31 points, but Kyle Lowry shot four for 13. Marcus Sol got two points, one for nine. Like, you're not going to win games when your other players are getting a max of 15 points and taking bad shots. Yeah. I think they should be down 3-1 right now, and that's just my opinion. I think the Bucks are going to prevail in the series. And, you know, I'm going back to game one again. Marcus Sol was two for 11. Danny Green was one for five. Granted, Kyle Lowry played well. Pascal Siakam wasn't shooting that great. I mean, these are big stars, and they're not performing the way they should. Yeah. Now, we're recording on Thursday, so we're not going to be able to talk about Game 5 as we publish this every Friday. I think the Bucks are going to win. They're at home, and, I mean, Kawhi just played an insane amount of minutes in Game 4. Yeah. In game three, he's tired. Everybody's tired on that team. Everyone's just tired in general, you know? I think the Bucks are going to win. And my guess is probably by more than 10 points. Yeah. How do you think game five is going to fare? I know you picked the Raptors in the series. Yeah, you know, I picked it uh, mainly just because I like Kawhi. I think he's a good player. Uh, I would like to see him leave Toronto, though, because we talked about that a little while ago. They have nobody else on the team besides Kawhi. If Kawhi leaves, they're a lottery team next year. You know? Yeah, I agree. So um, that's mainly the only reason I picked uh, Raptors. I don't know if that's a good reason, but, you know. Um, it's a shaky at, reason, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, I'm not really uh, upset about the Bucks taking the series. They're a really awesome team. Giannis is an animal, you know. But at the same time, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I honestly don't believe that Toronto will be able to defeat the Bucks on the road. They're going back to Milwaukee, you know. Giannis... Loves to go off in front of his home crowd, you know. Yeah, and they have two two of the next three games are in Milwaukee. Yeah, so it's honestly very probable I'm giving the Bucks an 80% chance of winning the next two games. So Yeah, I think they're going to beat them, and I think that the Bucks are the better team. They're better defensively all yeah. around. When it comes down to it, I don't think either of them have a chance against the Warriors. Yeah, so uh, according to the numbers, according to the facts, I think I have the Bucks winning the series. In six? Yes, in six. I think there's a chance it goes seven games, but I think that it really depends on how the other players perform. Because we all know Giannis and Kawhi are going to ball, and they're going to get 30 points. It ultimately depends on how, you know, Chris Middleton plays. And, yeah. you know, Marc Gasol, Pascal Siakam, the other players are what I worry about. Yeah. If you're getting another one-for-nine performance from Marc Gasol, somebody who's supposed to get your rebounds and distribute the ball, you're not going to win the series. And you're not yeah. going to beat the Warriors. Yeah. I want to talk about the Warriors for a second because I think a lot of people hate them right now because they're the big dynasty right now. But when it comes time to reflect on their dynasty, this is their fifth year of their dynasty. Some dynasties last about four years, up to, up to eight if you're the Chicago Bulls. But I want to throw some numbers at you guys real quick because for those listening, you might hate them because they're dominant or you might just hate them because of how they go about their business, signing KD when they win 73 games or whatnot. But I just want to share some numbers with you. Um, about the dominance of the Warriors the last five years or so. So they're the second team in NBA history to make five consecutive uh, title appearances, the other being the Boston Celtics of the 60s, where they made 10 consecutive finals. Mm. Um, they've completed six sweeps in their five-season uh, run, including another six uh, five-game series as well. So in 12 of their 20 playoff series they've beaten them in five games or less which i think that's absolutely insane and then with kd it added legs to their dynasty since kd has joined you want to know what their playoff record is what in 38 games with kd on their team they're 28 and 10 in the playoffs and that's against 
playoff teams. They have a nearly 750 playoff winning percentage with KD. Now, that's not including whether he's injured or not. I didn't get that statistic. But regardless, they swept the second-best team in the Western Conference, Hmm. the Trailblazers, and then they faced the Rockets and manhandled them. Yeah, They were easily the better team. And you look at the Trailblazers, I mean, they had major leads, and the Golden State just came firing back. Yeah. They had incredible series. And then in their postseason records, the last five seasons, with or without KD, they're 75-24. and In the playoffs, and this is against the Cavaliers with Kyrie, Kevin Love, and LeBron James. This is against the Rockets with James Harden, Chris Paul, P.J. Tucker, Clint Capella. These are against the Trailblazers with Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum. These are some great teams, and they absolutely have manhandled them. Hmm. So you can think what you want about the Warriors, but... Say KD resigns for another year and they win five titles in six years. Where are they ranked in greatest dynasties in NBA history? Because, I mean, the Bulls had two three-peats. But in those two years without Jordan, they couldn't beat the Magic with Shaq and Penny. No disrespect, but they were the much better team. And that team was stacked. They dominated, no doubt. But the Warriors have an insane winning percentage. you got to think about their accomplishments. You know, Steph and Clay own the three-point record. Mm. Like, Steph has, I think, the first six three-point single-season records. (laughs) From one to six, it's Steph Curry, Steph Curry, Steph Curry, Steph Curry, Steph Curry, Steph Curry. And then James Harden sprinkled in there a few times. Clay Thompson's (laughs) in there. But in his ten seasons, six of them, roughly, are in the top six, which is insane. And then winning percentage-wise, they won 73 games uh, a season ago, a couple seasons ago. And they've been absolutely ridiculous. Had they not have blown a 3-1 lead against the the Cavaliers in the 2016 final, they would have five titles potentially in a row, Mm. which is ridiculous. Shout out to the Warriors. I think the Warriors have been absolutely ridiculous. I, I mean, love watching them personally. It's a really interesting team to watch. Uh, it's awesome to be alive when something like that happens, you know, and see it firsthand. It, it feels like every generation has that touch, you know, in the 1960s they had the Celtics, in the 90s they had the Bulls, now we have the Warriors, you know, yeah, among like- other teams, you know, other dynasties. But I mean, it's interesting because a lot of people make arguments about different teams that have had success, like, oh, they just bought their talent. You can't can't say that with the Warriors, you know. The only thing you can say is that they got KD and DeMarcus Cousins. But if you look at it, they drafted Steph Curry with the seventh pick. They got Klay Thompson with the 11th pick. And they drafted Draymond Green with the 35th pick. They didn't tank. They played out their season. They chose between Monte Ellis and Steph Curry. They made the right decision in that call. And then after they won 73 games and they had the best regular season of all time, and they came this close to beating the Cavaliers. They pick up Kevin Durant. And I think for Kevin Durant, he earned they earned his respect in the sense that he saw that even as the best regular season team of all time, they're still trying to get better. And what they did was they broke the league for a year. You look at the 2017 playoffs, both the Cavs and the Warriors swept their way to the playoffs. Yeah. To the NBA Finals. And then, last year, they pick up DeMarcus Cousins for $5 million. Mm. Like, any chance they have, any time they can better their team, they're going to. Yeah. Nobody else made an offer for DeMarcus Cousins. Mm. And so he decided, all right, I'll, you know, for uh, a small penny, I'll win a title for the Warriors. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what's going to happen. You know what? So you better fear the Warriors. They're going to do anything they can to be better. Yeah. I mean, the best team on the East, I think, or the team on the East this year that I think has the best chance, without a doubt, is the Bucs. If the Raptors defeat the Bucs, they're getting swept by the Warriors. So, yippee, you know? I think the Bucs, if they push them around, could maybe go six games. I think if the Warriors start to slump... Uh, the Bucks can take advantage of that and go off. And the and, Bucks are very underrated. Yeah, yeah, honestly. And honestly, you know, uh, it'll be iconic if they defeat the Warriors because if that happens, you know Giannis is getting playoffs MVP without a doubt, finals MVP. MVP. And that's a guarantee that 
Kevin Durant's leaving. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, but I think he's leaving no matter what. Because let's be honest, you know, he hates criticism. When it comes to criticism, he's a crybaby. Yeah. And imagine the criticism he'll get if he just re-signs with Golden State. All right? Yeah. I want to move on to some other topics. Um, Quickly, I want to run by the NHL playoffs. We have the official Stanley Cup um, matchup. It will be the Bruins and Blues, like I said. My predictions were right for this time around. Um, honestly, I think that the Bruins are the better team. They have the better goalie. They have really scrappy, tough, um, talented players. I like the Blues, but I do think that the Bruins will avail in the series. But ultimately, I'm really glad that this is the matchup and it's not the Sharks. Yeah. Because I hate the Sharks. I always yeah. have. <laughs> um, for really no reason whatsoever. I just don't like them. Yeah. And that's it. I can't really explain it. But in the sense that if we did lose, at least it's to a team that's never won, and it's a really great city. St. Louis is a beautiful city, and the Blues fan base, they're diehard. So honestly, I'm, I'm really glad that this is the matchup. Hmm. It's not like in 2011 when we were facing the Canucks. <laughs> like who the hell wanted – the Vancouver Canucks to win. Yeah, and at that time, I think that was the third time they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, and it was the third time they lost. <laughs> yeah. I remember because uh, the morning after they lost, there were uh, Canucks fans just rioting like throughout Vancouver. Like they were beating up Bruins fans coming back home, like, you know, going to the airport and stuff. And then they had the um, Sedin sisters. Yeah. I had It's funny, back in that year i made a facebook page called i hate the sedine sisters <laughs> and i had like 25 likes yeah but um uh yeah screw the canucks yeah the canucks <laughs> i hope vancouver gets an nba team like they're talking about and they just suck <laughs> yeah they probably will though um, yeah so i think that what are your what are your takes on this how do you think the stanley cup's gonna play out well i agree with you in the sense that i'm happy the way it turned out uh i picked the sharks to win over the blues but that's just because you picked the blues before i did and i wanted to be different uh <laughs> osiris as well yeah but uh so honestly i'm happy that the blues did it uh it's interesting because you know you have the bruins who are an iconic team you know they're hungry for a title it's been a couple of months since bruin since boston's had its last uh championship i know so I'm really, I'm kind it, of it's been a while for us we're in a bit of a drought and then uh the blues have not won a title yet in their history if i'm not mistaken they were an expansion team in 1967 and they made it to three uh stanley cup appearances uh up until 1970 so their first four years they made it to three stanley cup finals and lost yeah their last stanley cup appearance was against the bruins and we beat them yeah, so it's a very interesting thing. Both teams are really hungry for a title. The Bruins, you have some awesome, awesome talent. You have Bergeron, you have Marshawn. You know, um, it's a very awesome, well-built team. It's very high energy, too. That's what I like. Yeah. The energy behind the players uh, has really stuck out with me compared to other teams uh, throughout sports, not just the NHL. I do. So, um, I do. I do. It's going to be interesting. At the same time, the Blues are very hungry for a title as well. You got some awesome players on that team. Uh, St. Louis really wants a title, so it'll be interesting to see what they do there. But at the end of the day, my prediction is going to be that the Bruins have a um, better edge in the Stanley Cup Finals, and they win the series in six games. So we both have the same pick. Um, yeah. I do want to caution. Um, I'll predict that the— Bruins don't win the first game because I was watching Felger and Maz a couple days ago and they were talking about the team that sweeps the Eastern Conference Finals or whoever, whatever team has the shorter series comes out rusty um, against the team that had a tough series, a six or seven game series. They don't have as much momentum. Now, yeah. by the time they play, they'll have roughly two weeks off and yeah. Tuca's been on fire and if I was them, I'd be shoving... 500 pucks of him a day. Yeah. Keeping him alert because he is an absolute tank right now. Yeah. He manhandled the Hurricanes. Yep. Um, so I'm going to warn everybody that if we lose game one, it's not the end of the world. We just got to shake the rust off. Now, the Blues will have a week off too, just about. They clinched their series. I want to say it was Monday. And we start uh, the Stanley Cup Finals on Monday. So they have a break as well. 
But oh, I'm sorry, they clinched on Tuesday, so they have six days off. But the Bruins clinched a while ago. You know, I think they have like eleven or twelve whole days off. Yeah, yeah. so we're we're roughly two weeks off while we have all this momentum. I mean. We had a great series against the Maple Leafs. We had a great series against the Blue Jackets. Tough series against the Blue Jackets, even though it went five games. And then we manhandled the Hurricanes. I mean, yeah. we really did. We did a great job. I mean, we Now, had- one thing that's interesting is every team that has swept uh, their competitor in the playoffs so far in the NHL, besides the Bruins, have been eliminated. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's a factual statistic. Mm-hmm. So I believe there is a correlation with what you're saying that, you know, all that time off uh, causes teams to lose momentum. I don't know if it'll happen to Boston, but... I will say that we're really buttoned up. Bruce Cassidy's a great coach. Oh, yeah. And I think since we have playoff experience, it's different. Whereas the Blues don't have as much playoff experience. We have a lot of players that played in the Cup. Marshawn, Chara, Bergeron... You know, we have some players that contended years ago. So I don't think we'll be as um, bad off. It really depends on what Brenda says at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to your boss, Brenda. <laughs> I think if Brenda predicts us to win, then we'll win. When I have that discussion with her next Monday, I'll know for sure if we're going to win or not. Otherwise, it's uh, 50-50. <laughs> Moving on to baseball now. Um, we haven't really talked about baseball much the last couple of uh, weeks. I think that it's getting to the point now where we're starting to understand where teams are in uh, the MLB season. Even though it is early somewhat, I do think that there are teams that have emerged as legit and teams that have floundered. Now, one team that has definitely floundered is the Seattle Mariners. Mm. They started off 11-3, and and now their record holds at 23-29. and and so that's 13 and 26 mm. in their last 29 games. And they are now officially in last place in the AL West. So that team that was super hot and people were talking about, oh, they're going to win the World Series. Yeah, that hasn't panned out. Houston holds a seven and a half game lead over the Rangers. Mm. And then the Twins uh, are seven games ahead of the Indians, which I'm a little surprised about. Um, I didn't think much about the Twins entering the season, but it looks like, you know, right now they have one of the best records in baseball. So I think they might actually win the division, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Mm-hmm. Looks like the Indians have continued to decline. I wonder what this means for Terry Francona. And then if the s- season ended today, it would be essentially exactly what we were expecting. We have the Yankees, Rays, and Red Sox making the postseason. If it ended today, we would have to go to Tropicana and have that one-game playoff series against um, the Rays. The Yankees would face off against, I want to say, the Twins. Mm. No, the Yankees would. Yeah, no, the Yankees would face off against the Twins, and then the Astros would face either us or the Rays. And then the Phillies, who are a massive four and a half games ahead of the Mets in the NL East look like they're doing pretty well so far, although Harper has been struggling. And then the Dodgers would face the winner of the NL wild card. The wild card teams are the Brewers and the Braves, which we kind of predicted. We had a few teams that would be in it. I'm surprised by the Pirates. I don't think the Pirates are going to still be contending come August or September. The Padres have a relatively decent roster from uh, what I've seen so far, I think they'll still be in it by July. I can't say they'll still be there by August. Um, and hopefully the Mets can turn it around because your prediction looks pretty shitty right now, Will. <laughs> so funny. But at the, I'm looking at the bottom five teams. These teams are officially out. The Mar- I mean, the Marlins, definitely out. Nationals, definitely out. Giants, definitely out. Reds, definitely out. I'm afraid to say the Rockies are out because they pulled it off last year. But they're looking like if they don't turn things around by July, that they are officially out. Mm. And, you know, although your team is struggling, they're only three games back in the wild card, so there's still hope for your awful prediction. But we'll see. We'll see how that fares. <laughs> but it looks like things are going just as we planned. Um, or should I, I say I planned. The Dodgers are way ahead in the uh, NL West. They're six games above the Padres. The Cubs are leading the division. They're looking pretty hot. Um 
And the Phillies are the NL East leaders, which I'm not surprised by any means. Mm. They have that uh, future Hall of Famer, Bryce Harper, Gene Segura, uh, GT Romundo, you know, Aaron Nola. So they're just a really great team, and I can suspect them being in contention and potentially fighting for a title um, come playoff time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting looking at uh, everything. Uh, I do agree with what you've uh, said for the most part uh, with the standings. Uh, it's interesting how accurate our predictions seem to be so far uh, with the AL, at least. New York, Tampa Bay, Boston, you know. Uh, everyone thought Boston was just going to slump. Uh, I had not, uh, I, I wasn't worried too much, you know. Uh, I figured they could bring it back. And it's um, still young. We're not We're not officially in July, uh, June yet. I think come July, I think that we're in second place. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised by the Twins. I know we were kind of shitting on them uh, a couple of weeks ago, but they honestly. They seem legit. Honestly, they're scoring runs. They're not giving up um, a whole bunch of them. Their run differential is plus 81, which is one yeah. of the best in the majors. So it's interesting, you know, if they still keep this up by about, you know, I'd say mid-June, that, that's when I'll start taking them seriously. I'm, I'm surprised by Cleveland, you know. Uh, I thought they'd be doing a little bit better, but it looks like they're out of contention almost, you know. Yeah, there's seven games behind the Twins, and the yeah. Twins are playing really well. And, you know, the thing about the Twins, they're playing good at home and away. Yeah. The records are pretty much identical. So. And then I think Houston has the West no matter what. I think we can say that now. That's my most definite prediction right now. Yeah, you can lock that in. Yeah, honestly, I bet, my, I bet my house and my car on that one. Uh, rest in peace, Seattle. We hardly knew ye. Uh, here's to uh, another year of underperforming and mediocrity for your garbage franchise. Um, <laughs> yeah, everyone was talking big about Seattle, uh, what, not even a month ago, and now they suck again. So, yeah, so surprised, okay? Uh, the Phillies look like a good early season flare-up team. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Well, with that roster, I'd be surprised to see them fail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bryce Harper hitting at, what, 220-something? Um... Let's see, Atlanta's in second. They're a pretty solid team. I could see them being a wild card team. The Mets, they're uh, just about to pop any day now. Uh, you yeah, just watch. Yeah, okay, you keep telling yourself that, yeah. Chief. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and then, okay. Um, yeah. let's see. Uh, I thought Chicago was going to struggle a little more, downgrade, but they're doing pretty good at the moment. Granted, they're uh, in close contention with Milwaukee, but I expected Milwaukee to be at the top anyway. Pittsburgh, they're going to keep declining. I'm surprised that St. Louis hasn't been doing as good as I thought they would i saw the way goldschmidt started his season and you know i thought damn the cardinals are back but we'll see what happens with them uh and then dodgers are right where i expected them to be san diego uh let's see how long that lasts i thought arizona was going to do a little better but they're starting to decline i um we had a we posted something about three weeks ago about the teams that were still surprising us they had the twins the mariners the diamondbacks the padres uh, in the Pirates, and I suggested that the, I said the Mariners were still going to be around, which that hasn't aged very well. But I had the Twins still in contention, and I still think the Padres will be contending for the wild card spot. Although I don't think that they'll be really competitive come August or so. Yeah, but and then if Colorado can find a way to pop, then I think they'll be a wild card team. But I mean, I just think the teams are way too stacked. I mean, the Phillies are going to take the East. If it's not them, it's the Braves. And there's no way that loaded Phillies roster can potentially lose out to a team that can't even score, I mean, two or three runs a game. Uh, mm, and that's mm. the Mets, of course. And with a run differential of negative 15, I don't know, man. I don't think the, I don't think the Mets are going to make the postseason. I mean, if only, if only Thor and DeGrom could pitch every game, then maybe they'd have a chance. Because, you know, they could give up, you know, one or two runs and still probably lose. But at least they have a chance. Yeah. Now, yeah. With, with some of their other starters, they probably don't have a chance, and that's why they're, you know, three games below 500. Mm. I'm just waiting for you to fall flat on your face and for you to admit that you're an absolute um, fool for picking the, the Mets, and that's the kind words that I would use. Oh, for, wow, okay. Yeah. I mean, I that, know that, That's the PG version of what you'd say? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, I know that my predictions have hit right on the nose, but so far yours have fallen flat on their face. So, I mean, do you want to... Uh, announce to the world now that you're a fool or do you want to wait no the Mets are gonna pop 
They're going to take the NL East. Fight me. You heard it here first, guys. Freezing cold takes coming soon. So that's all time. That's all the time we have for today. Um, DM us on Instagram if you want to hear some of our steamy takes. And we'll be ready next time around, episode nine. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, one thing that's awesome is how much sports we talk outside of the show. Like, uh, we talk uh, in the DMs on Instagram all the time with different people. Yeah. Logan LeMay, shout out to you. Uh, yeah, he did. He- I, I like to hear your opinions, you know. Chase, every once in a while, you drop in. We're going to have you as a guest eventually, dude, if you're listening to this, you know. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so uh, looking forward to seeing what's going on uh, going into the summer with the show. Really love being able to do this. Zach's an awesome co-host. So, yeah, uh, I wish I could say the same, but um, oh. you're okay. Oh, wow, okay. It's nice because I'm like I'm kind of like the Stephen A, and you're like the Max Kellerman. Oh, oh I have, okay, I okay. Have, I have really um, uh, factual and, um, you know, viable takes. Well, your takes are kind of um, hit or miss. Mm. Um, and they usually miss, mostly, yeah. especially with your Mets take. Oh, wow, okay. Um, so it's good to balance it out, you know. It's kind of like, um, you know, um, you know, you have the good and bad, you know. So I'm <laughs> glad that you're the bad, you know. I'm like the peanut butter, and you're like the moldy jelly. Oh, wow, okay, yeah. So. yeah. But um, it's been a lot of fun. I can't believe we're already on episode nine now. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And uh, I hope everyone else is enjoying it so far. We should have a guest on within the next uh, two or three weeks. Yeah. Um, we have two people lined up as of right now who are definitely coming on the show within the next month or so. Hopefully next week or the week after we can have Chase on the show. We'll have great discussions. And then Colin, Justin, shout out to you. Can't wait for you to be on the show. Celtics die hard. A lot of exciting things coming our way in the future. Those who may not have known... Come late August, I will be joining the Boston University. Yeah, I'll be a part of Boston University. And yeah, check us out on Spotify, Anchor. I mean, if you guys are listening, you obviously know where to go. So, yeah. Um, shout out again to Conquer TV and uh, have yourself a great day. All right. Take it easy, guys. <laughs>